Tim Jones is an interesting character. He originally trained as a primary school teacher, working both in Scotland and England. But the wanderlust caught hold of him after a while, and he travelled extensively teaching English as a foreign language. He also worked for the British Council, promoting British culture around the world. Settling back in Edinburgh, he set his hand to writing, and is an author and playwright, though he admits you don't make a significant living in those professions. He became interested in politics through a desire to serve the community, and his personal politics are those of the more traditional one-nation form of conservatism. However, as you'll hear, he is a committed and hard-working councillor who, like the others, has found the last six months challenging. It's been a huge learning curve. I'm on two committees which require an enormous amount of time. I'm spokesperson for education for the Conservative group. I'm on the planning committee. The papers are very lengthy to read before meetings. So that's one aspect which is um, very demanding. But what I absolutely love about the role is it's about public service. And I'm never happier than when I'm in the in Portobello, Craig Miller, meeting people, meeting residents, helping people with their problems and sorting them out. And it's surprising how much you can do um, in terms of helping with individual problems, with roads, with bins and this sort of thing. Yeah. One, one thing that struck me, I was doing a little bit of trying to find out a bit about you beforehand. And you seem to be, at least online, something of a man of mystery. And when I spoke to Callum Laidlaw six months ago, he said that you did not do social media. Oh, <laughs> do you know, I, I don't, but I intend to. I think Facebook is absolutely really very important and I'm going to do that. Why? Because for one thing, it's actually a really good record of what you do as a counsellor. And you very quickly forget because you're moving from topic to topic, person to persons, problem to problem so quickly. You need actually it's really good to have some sort of record of what you're doing pictorially as well as in writing. So that's going to be my New Year's resolution. You've heard it here. And I'm going to make sure that I get uh, my Facebook up and running because it, it is very important. And I absolutely think it has something to contribute. Yeah. Right, let's get back to your, your work on the council. And I noticed that you're a member of something, I think it's called the Consultative Committee with Parents. Mm. Now, that's something I've never heard of. What is it? It's parent representation. So all the, the things that parents are concerned about with regards to education, they get the opportunity to present those to council and then to committee. So it's involving parents with educational aims and issues. Does that mean you actually go out into schools with your colleagues or do you get the parents to come in? No. Well, that's a very, very good point because, no, the parents come in. But I have made it a point to go out to schools and that is what I've been doing this morning. I was at Nidri Mill Primary School this morning. I could talk a long time about this. I believe it's so important to get into schools and to be seen. I go to Dunstan Primary Parent Council. I've been to last week to New Craig Hall Primary School. I've been to St. John's RC Primary School. I will do all the primary schools and then I will do all the secondary schools. I absolutely believe it's vital to get into schools to be seen. And interestingly, in Duddingston, when I told the deputy head teacher that I was a qualified primary school teacher, she said, oh, I'll have to get you in to present 
to P6s and P7s because they were doing democracy. I haven't taken her up on that yet, but I have to say, I did a mini spelling lesson the other day at New Craig Hall Primary School, and for the first time in many years, I actually felt nostalgic for the classroom, so I probably might dip my toes in the water again. Okay, let's come back local. Because when you stood for election in April and, and May, you were essentially standing on three platforms. Very good, yes. And Excellent. the first of those was Brunston Road. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what the state of play is at the time of recording, but you were campaigning to have it reopened. Correct, and I still am. And this ETRO, Experimental Traffic Regulation Order, comes up for review for Transport Committee next week, Thursday the 8th. I have, in conjunction with the Job Residents Association, done a survey. We had 1,500 survey sheets in the Dropper Triangle delivered by a cohort of about 10, 12 volunteers, which is quite remarkable. The surveys come back exactly the same as before, 70, more, slightly more, 75% want the road reopened. But the interesting thing is that most people have assumed that the majority of people in Brunston Road wanted it to remain closed. But in fact, our survey shows that 40% of people in Brunston Road actually want it reopened. That comes up for review next week. At the moment, I'm trying to get confirmation that I will be able to present that survey to the Transport Committee. The ETRO, and then if it's made into TRO, those are quasi-judicial committees. So all those people on the committee have to remain independent. I would be there presenting as one of the ward councillors, having made my views clear, and that is something which I wish to do. I must admit that as far as Brunson Road is concerned, I'd actually given up using it, both as, as a driver and as a cyclist, about seven, eight years ago, oh, because really? it just was impossible to get up and, and down at yeah. certain times of day. Yeah. found it easy to, to take the longer way around. That seems to be a, a view that some people hold, at least. Some people do hold that view. And I also want to add here that when I campaigned, I was very clear about which side I was on, although I don't perhaps want to use the word side, but it was quite, quite clear what my opinion was. But I did feel, because I had been elected on that, I did have a duty to make sure that those people who did not hold my view... I met with and I have met with the Calming Brunston group and I have been open and transparent with them and I hope and I believe fair. So I have informed them at every stage about the survey that I'm doing for the, uh, the Job Residence Association and Brighton and Roseburn and I have very good relations with them. And they argued very passionately. We met at Belfield Church. They argued very passionately and I listened. However, I am still of the opinion that Brunson Road should be reopened. Okay, let's move on to part two. There was the question of the spaces for people, which certainly in Portobello High Street have now gone, but in Duddingston are still there. Yeah. Now, this is a really interesting example of where popular opinion has been overridden, I think, by the council's wishes. I, in my campaigning, canvassed Durham Terrace, Durham Avenue, and 
When I asked the question, what is the single most important issue that you think the council should address, the majority of answers were, please get rid of those spaces for people. So I was on the doorstep listening to that time and time again. And again, I've listened to both sides. The cycle lobby I have listened to and I've heard their views. But I do believe that the majority of people don't want them and I think they're badly designed. I am not, and I keep saying this to people, I am not anti-cyclist. I have not owned a car for eight years. I rely solely on public transport. So my real concern here is that this is this has gone against what the majority of people wish for and I just don't think they're very well designed. We'll come back to the public transport thing in a moment because the third thing that you campaigned on has to do with controlled parking. Yes. Are you still as enthusiastic about that? I think we need to look very carefully at what we're doing here because the petition was set set up against controlled parking and I supported the residents who brought that petition and businesses to the public's attention. When I look at the problems in Portobello for parking, I am not convinced that a parking zone is going to solve those problems because majority of people who write to me about the parking problems, it's during the summer, it's weekends, and it also goes past nine o'clock at night. Now, If we have a controlled parking zone, Mondays to Fridays is not really the issue during the day. It's weekends and it's late at night. And that requires enforcement if we're going to have a parking zone. Also, if I may add that the parking permit will, I think, on average, cost about £100 a year. The problem is that you could end up with people not getting a parking space and having to park much further away. And late at night, that could be a problem for some people. And I think all we're doing is displacing the problem. And and I think those issues are going to have to be thought through very, very carefully. I don't know if you wanted to come on to pavement parking. I did, yes. Because that is going to come in, whether we like it or not, next year. Yeah. If we look at Regent Street, Marlborough Street and Mentone Avenue... You look at it and you think, oh my gosh, this is crazy. But it's been like that for a long, long, long time. And I'm in no way making a judgment here, but many households today, and it, whether they live in Mentoni Avenue, Marlborough Street or wherever, many people have two or three vehicles now. And so this is really problematic. So as you rightly say, this is now going to be legislation. However, there are two exemptions to the legislation. There are two categories of exemption. And I put it to Scott Arthur at the last Portobello Community Council. Was he aware of the Category 2 exemption, which is about the width of the street and whether that might apply to those three streets that I've mentioned? He wasn't really aware of those categories, but the exemptions are there. And they are something which will need to be looked at because the residents would be perfectly entitled to make a case for exemption if that were the case. But that still has to be 
determined. But it still raises the questions of mothers with baby carriages not actually being able to get up there apart from in the middle of the road. I agree. I agree. It's a nightmare. And, and also for disabled persons also, it's highly, highly problematic. It's not something, unfortunately, that's going to be easily resolved. I think you're right on that. And I think the transition is, will have to be very carefully managed. There's another issue I have asked the other councillors about, and that is the council policy on short-term let. I heard today that that could become the subject of a judicial review. Well, it's a quasi-judicial matter, so I'm not entitled to give it a view on that. I want to say perhaps one thing on this, because I attended Edinburgh International Festival Forum recently with important stakeholders, and many, many are concerned that the council's policy is going to backfire and have unintended consequences. There's a huge lack of accommodation. There's a huge gap. And it's something we need to think through very, very carefully. I think people forget that Edinburgh just doesn't have the summer festivals. We had 15. It's now 14, thanks to the problems with the film yeah, pass. Yeah, sadly. But we still have 14 festivals running pretty well through the year. Yes, And it's going to apply to all of them. Yes. Okay, let's think about where we are. You kindly come to my house here in Joppa. We're able to look out over the sea. Where do you stand on climate change? Well, I think this is a really important subject. I am absolutely behind all efforts to reduce carbon emissions. That's your commitment to travelling by bus. You're right. I'm always amazed how powerful that is because... When people talk to me about carbon emissions and then I say, actually, I've gave up my car many years ago and I just travel by bus, there's a sort of silence because they realise that I do what I preach in that sense. And I prefer to lead by example on this. So I had the opportunity to get a discounted car through the council scheme, uh, one which was a you know, hybrid No, I don't want a car. I'm committed to local transport. I absolutely believe in it. Just come up on the number 26. It was packed, which is quite unusual for, I thought, for two o'clock in the afternoon. Everybody's using the bus. That's what I'd like to see. I think the bus services, I'm going on a diversion here. I'd like to put more pressure on Lothian buses to get more frequent buses to Portobello and also ones which are direct especially in the summer. I think there's a very strong case to get a shuttle bus to get people out here and back again. That's why we have such awful parking problems, because people drive out here to go to the beach, which is wonderful, but we could really help if we had a special shuttle service from the centre of Edinburgh out to Portobello Beach and people come out on the bus and go back on the bus. The trouble is that Lothian Buses is having difficulty in retaining and recruiting drivers, and it is a major problem. You're right, it is. I think it's particularly difficult in the evening, and it comes up at Portobello Community Council a lot, and I think there should be more done. So, in fact, this interview makes me think I ought to be writing personally to Lothian Buses about the Service 26, which I think is a bit inadequate at night time. And we're also disappointed when we lost the 124 coming through. Oh, absolutely. Let's go back to the beach and the prom, because one of the issues which people living here have is with cyclists really speeding fast Mm. along the prom. I've been taking my bike 
onto the prom just nearly been hit mm. by one coming the other way, which I couldn't see because of the walls. Yeah. Is there a way of putting in some sort of control or even doing the very simple thing of putting up, say, a, a 10 mile an hour for cyclists? Actually, that's a really, really good point. And I think I shall act upon that after this interview because it's been raised time and time again that cyclists are using as a cycle path, it's bleeding along and it's dangerous. And therefore, we need to think of ways where we can control this more rather than just introducing an outright ban. Okay, let's think about your role as a councillor. And I remember having many interviews with Maureen Child. And one of the things that she stressed as an important fact was the way that the four councillors and the Portobello Craig Miller Ward cooperated with each other. Is that your experience too? Yes, it is. And we, there is so much we agree on. I remember the very first thing I dealt with was the, um, the tables and chairs on the prom. I took the initiative and all the others were involved as well. So we all agree on these sorts of things. And I think most recently, one of the most impressive acts of cooperation is that, as you know, there was unacceptable violence and social behaviour on bonfire night. Jane Ma took the initiative to come together with leading people in the community and the four councillors to try to see if we could bring some clarity to what had happened and maybe to find ways where we can work together to stop that from happening again. I mean, what happened in Craig Miller was awful. But Craig Miller is a wonderful example of a community that's turned itself around and the emphasis is on it itself. And if you meet the people who championed the school, Castle Ray Community Campus, it's so impressive. And the community just simply saying, no, we are not going to let this school close. We want this school to remain open. And against all the odds, they fought and fought and fought. And look at what has materialised. Wonderful. But going back to the point about the violence, it's sad because Craig Miller has turned itself around. And these instances are, are not attractive. But we have a moral responsibility as councillors to try to find out what has gone wrong with a very small minority of youths and I think adults were involved as well. So we have a, a duty to do that and to work together. And we have started that process. It's very complex, David. We all know that the reasons for that type of behaviour, how does it happen? Why does it happen? The severity of it, you know, petrol bombs for the first time, very frightening for the police. But I see it as an opportunity to work with not only the other councillors, but the community leaders in Craig Miller and also the police. And I think we have a wonderful chief inspector, Kieran Dougal, who I get on very well with and talk to very frequently. You know, the police are involved in initiatives with youth, taking them away for days away, um, helping with the youth work. And I think it's this cooperation of all the key stakeholders is the only way we are going to make a difference in terms of, of this very, very difficult issue. And I don't underestimate how difficult it is. OK, you've been a councillor now for six months. You've got another four and a half years. If you were to imagine what you wanted to have achieved by the end of that four and a half years, 
and be able to present yourself for re-election. Mm. What kind of things would you want? Oh, that's a very simple question to answer. The only thing that matters are your constituents. I'm a public servant. They put me there. And so I see those three key election promises I made, I have to stick to those, and I have. But it's wider than that. I serve every person in the community, irrespective of their political persuasion. And that is what I want to be remembered for. And that's what I want to be re-elected for. I am a public servant. That is what matters. You know, it's interesting. A councillor doesn't have a line manager. It's quite interesting dynamic. You have a lot of autonomy. But your line manager actually is the electorate. They're the ones who elected you. They are the ones you're responsible to and working night and day for. That's it. Very simple. And that concludes our series of interviews with our local representatives on the council. I found it interesting and helpful to find out more about them as people, as well as their politics, and I hope you did too. That, once again, is it for another week. If you have an idea you think would make an episode, then please get in touch through social media or email at theportypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.